0: Welcome to the Love Your Story Podcast. This Christmas special is all about creating your holiday on your terms. We're thinking more about being present than buying presents. So stay tuned for my interview with Rachel Reese, and we'll be back in a minute. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story Podcast. I'm Lori Lee. And I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Once upon a time, in a land of bounty, there lived a woman who knew the difference between a Christmas present and Christmas presents. She was one of only a few who had slowed down enough to think about the power of being with her people versus the power of doing things and buying stuff, but the difference it made significantly changed the experience for all around her, but especially for herself. As a woman, she saw herself as the guardian of her family, and she had learned through many years of giving away and trying to meet outward expectations that holding space for her to be herself and for her loved ones to be themselves created a sacred space, held a space for being present in the most important ways. So she created traditions carefully and on purpose. And as those traditions were executed and played out, she didn't rush through them. She stayed fully present and enjoyed each moment, each person, each smile, each shift in energy. She even enjoyed the times when things didn't go exactly as they were supposed to, which was most of the time. As she held the space for sacred beings, she remained fully present to that moment, and that changed everything. She had transformed from harried and rushed with doubts and fears as to how things would play out to a space of presence that was slower and more allowing and done with great purpose. Well, one day she opened her home to guests who were arriving for her dinner party. And before they got here, she had to remind herself to be present with her friends who were soon to arrive was more important than having each hors d'oeuvre plate carefully situated and each napkin folded perfectly. She reminded herself, people care more about how you make them feel than they do about the details of the situation. She took a deep breath, and as the doorbell rang and each guest arrived, she didn't hurry them in. She looked in their eyes. She let them know how grateful she was they had arrived. And then after careful connection with each, she opened herself, To allow things to unfold as it would, whether or not the night would meet her expectations, that was a key because oftentimes the disappointments came when things didn't turn out as expected. So she had learned to allow that and to open it and to simply be present for what was. Things seldom unfolded as one expected. And tonight was no exception. As the party closed down, they hadn't had enough time to do their white elephant gift exchange. Jamie, her friend's husband, had spilled a drink on the living room carpet, and Cassandra, her friend from work, had gotten into it with one of the other guests. But holding space for each of her beloved friends and being present, rather than embarrassed, rushed, or disappointed, allowed her to thoroughly enjoy the evening exactly as it played out. As she raised her glass in a final toast, she reminded them that this dinner party that she had been present at, that they had been present at, had been her gift to them for the season, and that rather than a present, she was so grateful for the gift of their presence in her home. What might the gift of presence look like in your life this holiday season? How might being present and intentional about each thing you do this holiday change your experience into a sacred space rather than a harried place? Today, I have a guest, Rachel Reist here, who is a licensed clinical social worker and a qualified mindfulness-based stress reduction instructor, trained through the Center for Mindfulness in Medicine, Healthcare, and Society at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Her career has been devoted to working with children and adolescents and families, and she currently works at the Davis Mindfulness Center in Layton, Utah. I'm excited to have her here to get her tips and ideas and thoughts as we open this discussion on what does it look like to be present instead of worrying about getting presents. So Rachel, welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Thank you, Lori. I'm
1: so happy to be having this conversation with you. I think it's a really important one for the times we're in our culture just keeps picking up speed and i'm so glad we're focusing on this this holiday season really slowing down and
0: giving one another the gift of presence our presence i love the idea i really am excited for this conversation too because the idea of it being controlled and purposeful and you know allowing also gives it sort of an air of mystery but so much less stress
1: Yes. Every moment becomes uh, filled with curiosity and wonderment. Mm. You never really know what it's going to hold. And I think so often for me, at least, it's easy to plow through moments because I'm just looking forward to getting to the next thing. But slowing down and really being here, being with the people we love, even if we're doing a mundane task of, oh, I've got to wrap these presents so that they can be under the tree. What if the wrapping of presents could be just as delightful as the opening of them?
0: Doesn't it have to be? Okay, most of the time it's not, but the the idea truly of enjoying the journey, it has to be if you're enjoying the journey. And when you can find a sacredness in each thing that you do, gosh, it shifts everything. That's why this is such a great topic. I
1: completely agree and it's bringing to mind an experience I had recently with my darling three and a half year old niece. We were preparing a birthday dessert and we were focused on getting them to the table but I had this thought oh invite her to come help me and so my favorite memory of this whole birthday evening was her standing at the counter on her step stool next to me, sticking her finger in the peanut butter chocolate mug cakes. (laughs) And it was this moment of pure connection, and I really don't remember much else about the evening, but I'm so glad I didn't miss that moment. And I could have if I had just been focused on getting things to the table.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that story. You know, it's an excellent example of how many little moments. Sometimes I do this thing where at the end of the day, I try to think about what was my magic moment for the day. And as I'm going throughout the day, I try to pay attention. You know, something will happen. I'll be, oh, this is my magic moment I'm going to keep. But the thing that's fascinating as I've done this is to realize how small like that magic moment always ends up being, it's like some little unexpected thing where maybe it's an interaction with a neighbor that's totally normal or watching the joy in my little puppy as he bounds across the lawn, right? I mean, they're usually such normal, simple things. But when I look back over my day, it's like, that was my little magic spot for the entire day. Oh, that's beautiful. I want to adopt that practice as well. Magic moments,
1: watching for the magic moments.
0: Hmm. You know, we talk about this kind of thing all the time about enjoying the journey. It's such a quip that it's almost annoying to people anymore. (laughs) But but the reason that we talk about it so much is because it's so hard to do to pull your brain out of this accomplishment, fast forward, you know, do 25,000 things at a time. And so we talk and talk and talk about it because we have to pull ourselves. We're constantly, I'm speaking for myself, but it's, As I work with others, I see the same thing. We're constantly reining ourselves in to be present and to notice those spaces. But life is so, so rich when you do that, that we have to keep talking about it until it becomes a way of being.
1: I completely agree. It's like counteracting what Brene Brown, I think, refers to as this culture of busyness. And it can be quite a radical act to slow down and to start taking things off our plate and
0: to just allow being alive being enough. (laughs) Right? Oh, well, one of the things I noticed when I came to your mindfulness center and met with you was the complete calm that you exude. You have this energy that just to walk into your presence is this calming space of, I don't even know how to explain it. It's almost like a quiet, open. It's not harried at all. It's this quiet acceptance like you're watching and waiting and listening and just being there. It's really interesting because I haven't met very many people with your type of energy. So I think you're a good person to speak about this, to teach us.
1: Oh, thank you, Lori. I really appreciate that. And I'm grateful for that feedback. It's so interesting. I think it must be something that is evolving in me because I have not always felt this way. (laughs) But practicing mindfulness over the last several years intensively has made a profound
0: impact in my life. So this idea of being versus doing, how do you sum that up?
1: I'll say that being and doing feels like racing on the treadmill, it's going so quick, and I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just caught up in it. And being feels like slowly and intentionally walking. I'm still moving. <laughs> you know, we still have to go throughout our days and make our meals and work and feed our families and so forth. But I would say being is being fully alive for each moment, getting out of the autopilot, the treadmill mode, and tuning in as much as is possible to each moment of our life. So how do you think we be during
0: the holiday season?
1: I think it probably starts off with some intentionality in how we choose to structure each day of the holiday season and maybe letting some things fall off the plate that are not essential. But the things we choose to do, can we fully tune in with all of our senses? Whomever we're with, can we truly listen to them? Can we speak from our heart? Can we smell the Christmas cookies coming out of the oven? And just take time to savor those small moments? Can we really listen to that Christmas concert? Those kinds of things. So I think we can infuse this sense of being, the sense of presence in anything we choose to do, but we're just more careful about
0: what we choose. You know, what's been interesting to me from a self-awareness standpoint is that I recently got married about three months ago. And before then, I've been single for gosh, I think eight years or some such number. Anyway, alone by myself, a lot. And so very focused on doing, right? Like accomplishment and and working. And I'm very accomplishment driven anyway. So lots of lists of things to do and I need to be busy. So it's been super interesting as I watch myself be like, okay, you know, you hurry and go to work so I can do things or, you know, let's hurry and get through this interaction with you being married. And I'm talking about my husband now so that I can do things. And it's taken me like, and then, you know, it's dawned on me how wrong that is. Like, I can actually slow down. I can spend time with him. I can invest in that relationship the slowest of ways, the slowest way. Like, to me, at first felt wrong just to sit around and talk And be with this person because I wasn't accomplishing something. And, you know, everybody's got their different ways that they rush through life. But for me, it's been super interesting to note how often I would feel like, gosh, I'm not, you know, we're just sitting here talking. I need to get on and do something. And really, what I was doing was investing in a relationship, being present with him, this person that I've put into this most important position in my life. And being present and slowing down and giving the time and attention and realizing the importance of that investment, that it didn't have to be harried, that it could be wonderful and beautiful and perfect in just slowing down and being there. And it's been such an interesting thing just to see how I have to adjust that constantly.
1: Oh, I so appreciate you sharing that and I know you're not alone. <laughs> it I think that shows up in so many relationships and aspects of our lives, often
0: with the people we hold most dear. Right. And Christmas it's, it is about relationships so much. I think that it bears good fruit to bring it up and talk about it and say, you know, it's not so much about, there may be something that you need for Christmas presents, but a, a lot of times so many of us, particularly in this good economy that's going on, in many parts of the country you know that we have what we need and a lot of times people it's like what do you want for christmas oh i don't know you know how how wonderful is it that we are so affluent that you know we can't think of something we need that's great but it really drives home the point too of it's not about the presents anymore how much richer is the holiday going to be if there's time spent if there's moments taken if it's more about you know, frosting the cookies together and going to that Christmas concert and being fully present and holding hands and making plans and, you know, Mm. having the kids be involved with planning and doing it slowly and with purpose. And, you know, if you're taking treats to your neighbors, not rushing through to see how fast you can drop everything off, but, you know, maybe even going as a, a family and talking about why that neighbor is important to you and doing it at a pace that has meaning with the people that you love and have the season be more about the people that you love than even the traditions what are the traditions for the traditions are to build those bonds with your family but when the tradition and acting it out takes precedent over you know the people and the interaction cuz you're rushing through it you've missed the point
1: i completely agree
0: So talk to me about simplifying. You had mentioned that the way to be versus do is maybe slowing down and simplifying. Do you have thoughts on that, specific suggestions? Well, I will say that as I
1: started to practice mindfulness, which is really a practice of awareness of the present moment uh, in a way that's open and curious and compassionate, I began to realize all of the things that I had filled my plate with. And the effect it was having on my stress level, my body, (laughs) Uh, because I think the moment we start to tune in to what's really going on inside, we start to notice the effect of our choices. (laughs) So I think that self-awareness is key, even if it's just pausing at the beginning of a day. And sitting quietly for a minute or two and paying attention to the breath and really checking in, how am I doing? And how am I feeling about what's coming up? And I started noticing that I was able to let go of the things that maybe I had said yes to out of obligation Mm -hmm. (laughs) or was tempted to say yes to out of a sense of obligation. And it's really helped me to better discern what to put on my plate and what to let go of. What is really most important? So I would say cultivating that self-awareness in whatever way speaks to you.
0: For me, mindfulness practice has helped to foster that. That's probably a great way to start out the beginning of the holiday season is just to take stock.
1: Yes. And even I loved your idea of planning with children, even talking with children. What would make this Christmas really special for you? What do we want to do together as a family? What traditions really resonate with you? That's something as my siblings and I, you know we're all adults now, uh, we've talked about that a little bit. What do family traditions look like now? And what do we want to create for the next generation? What was meaningful for us when we went to grandma and grandpa's house? What do we savor in our memories?
0: So talk to me a little bit about the idea of learning to be without changing or fixing, this idea of allowing. This is a huge one. I think it's a
1: lifelong endeavor for me. (laughs) Uh, but I think it shows up a lot in our interpersonal relationships as well as just our expectations that we might place on big events like the big family Christmas dinner. (laughs) We might have a really crystal clear picture of how we see that going, but as we learn to be with each moment and turn toward each even the uncomfortable things, the glass of cranberry juice that spills or whatever it is, (laughs) as we can be with each moment without having to change it or fix it or make it different, then I think it opens up a space for just a lot of calm and less anxiety. I'm thinking interpersonally. I don't know if You've ever had the experience of sitting down and sharing your heart with someone who fully felt like a receptive container, and you felt empathy from them and warmth and acceptance, and they didn't jump in to give you a lot of advice. They didn't try to fix how you were feeling. They just held the space for you. I think it's one of the most beautiful gifts because then we often can listen to the internal wisdom that arises And we find our own solutions, sometimes together with another person, but often it just naturally arises. And so I think about that a lot in this idea of the gift of presence. Can we be for one another? Can we just be? Can we be with them and allow each moment to unfold
0: (laughs) and take things at a slower pace? Oh, love that. So, two thoughts that. You brought up one. You asked if have I ever been with a person like that, and you know what's interesting is I remember once being with a person like that, and the reason that this is so funny is because with thousands and thousands of interactions with people, you know, I'm in my late 40s, thousands, a lifetime of interactions, and I can remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was my friend's parents and I had gone back and I was speaking to them and I was amazed at the way that in this interaction they just stood and listened. Right? Like, and I was, I spoke with the mom and the dad separately, and it was casual. It wasn't any big deal. But it was amazing their communication skills of intently looking at me, of listening, of not, you know, there was never the I need to interrupt and, you know, get in what I have to say sort of thing. And it felt different. And it felt so different that even now, you know, it's probably been 15 years. I remember it because it was like, holy cow, that's what that feels like that's interesting so that idea of being present and listening and i think also you mentioned this but the idea of not imposing judgment on everything that happens this is a huge thing for me to work on because i'm always analyzing whether or not you know things are happening the way they should and whether it's happening according to my expectation and you already know this but holidays are a time of high high anxiety And anxiety is created within us. That means that we are the cause and we are also the solution. And so in speaking about this today, really, these are some of the keys to allow you, the listeners, us, to create a holiday that isn't full of angst and anxiety. And one example that I tie into of what you previously said was my mother always had these exceptional expectations. Heck, half the time, we didn't even know what the expectations were, but she would have family parties and put a lot of time and love and effort into them. And without a doubt, before the party was over, she'd end up crying. And we just knew what was going to happen because it just never met her expectations. And once she learned to make her plan and do her thing and then to just allow it to be without the pressure of it turning out how she wanted it to turn out, she was so much happier and everybody else was so much happier. And the family get-togethers changed from being dramatic to being much more pleasant and you know, less of a blow-up. So, and that was all within her own little heart that she could mm-hmm. figure out how to control those expectations and anxiety. And I think that's a really big part of the holiday season. That is a powerful example. Do you have any experiences with your family where intentionally creating opportunities to connect within your family that would illustrate? Sure, I'd love to share one.
1: I look to my wise sister, she's the one who started this in our family, and it was really special this time that I'm thinking of. It It was actually with Thanksgiving dinner, but could easily be applied to Christmas or any other family get-together. She had just observed that around the Thanksgiving dinner table, conversation often became quite mundane and just not very connecting. And so she decided to write specific questions on slips of paper. And it was kind of this activity towards the end of the meal, we went around, and we were speaking about things that we were grateful for, as it pertained to the person sitting next to us. So what we were grateful for in the person sitting next to us. And my grandparents happened to be joining us for this Thanksgiving dinner. I think at this time, they were probably in their late 80s or early 90s. And it was really precious to have this interaction. My grandma has now passed away. So this is a memory that's really tender. And it brought a lot of tears as we all sat around the dinner table. It was very connecting to hear my grandfather. He is a man of few words and keeps his feelings really close to the vest. He turned and he explained how grateful he was for my grandmother and her willingness to leave New York City and move to the tiny town that he lived in to marry him and how she uprooted her life. And it was just this time of great connection. And then my father turning to my grandfather, his father-in-law, and describing the love and acceptance he always felt from my grandpa. Those are moments that are going to live in my memory forever. And it completely changed the tone of the whole Thanksgiving dinner. It was about being together and appreciating one another and everything else kind of the food I'm sure was
0: delicious. (laughs) But what I remember is the connection. What a brilliant idea. This is the example of living intentional and with purpose, not just sitting down and eating a meal and rushing through it, but having a way to create connection. And I have noticed the same thing with family gatherings when there is some way to share, because often, you know, your interactions are surface level, that kind of thing, just because that's where things hang out. But when there is a way and a platform to share. You know, sometimes it's testimony about, you know, maybe Christmas or Easter or like you say, Thanksgiving, what you're thankful for in other people, things about those relationships. Those are powerful opportunities within the holiday season for things that are meaningful to your family in whatever way, history or heritage. So you made me think of one of the things that I intentionally do, which is about presence and not presence, is I do a retreat for my sister's sister-in-law's mom over Christmas and it's called the just for me retreat and it's very purposefully created with a lot of thought and a lot of love and it's a day where they all come to my house and we do a I cook them breakfast. We do an activity maybe a craft or a service project and some Mm -hmm. kind of you know yoga or snowshoeing or whatever I feel like taking them to do but we make a whole day of it and I put this together for them with meals and very intentional activities for bonding and sharing these experiences. And that is my gift to them for the year. That is what I give to them. But it's intentionally planned. It's purposefully time spent with them. I feel like that falls into that category also of presence as -hmm. a present.
1: (laughs) That is beautiful.
0: As we tie up this episode, do you have final thoughts that you would like to leave on any of these ideas?
1: The thing that is arising in my mind, it goes back to what you mentioned as you spoke of your own mother learning to soften her expectations. And as I've worked with my own expectations, it's helped me to think of softening them. Sometimes... I don't know what letting go actually looks like, (laughs) but I can soften. (laughs) I can be aware of them and then I can soften them around the edges. And that gives my expectations a little bit of wiggle room. So I think that would be one of my closing thoughts. Holidays are such oftentimes loaded times, uh, lots of anxiety, and a lot of time, a lot of family history (laughs) building up. So true. It gets played out. And so uh, softening. Just softening into the holidays, softening around the edges of our expectations, and taking one moment at a time.
0: Well said. I love that you even brought this up as the conclusion because, you know, what we're doing now is setting an expectation for not having an expectation. And it's one more thing on my list. It's like, oh my gosh, I went into the holidays with too many expectations. You know, something else to beat yourself up about. We've set an expectation to allow yourself to allow without expectation, something <laughs> else to put on your list of things to do. So I like that final advice of just softening, being aware, knowing that you are going to have a more meaningful holiday when you purposefully choose what to allow into it. And then whatever those things Things are whatever you deem precious enough to let in, be fully present to the people and the experiences that are happening and allowing that air of mystery that we talked about in the beginning of when you can allow things to unfold as they need to, which will, you know, it will contain a lot of unexpected things and and that brings a little bit of magic and mystery too. It's not always bad. It's just the unknown of wonderful sparkly things that may happen but the allowing brings a lot of peace in approaching it all i agree thank you so much for being here for this conversation today i appreciate your insight and your calm and i hope you have a wonderful holiday thank you Lori. you too my wish for you this holiday season is that you will create exactly what you want that you will have the rich moments with the people you care for, and that you will be able to give things of true value, your presence, your love, and memories that you'll cherish. Be your celebrations large or small, remember the simplifying. When we are purposeful and present, we change the nature of the experience in our own realities. Create your best Christmas story this year. Don't forget that you can pick up copies of my book, uh, Life, Living Intentional and Fearless Every Day, For everyone on your Christmas list, if you don't even have it, if you don't have your Christmas shopping done, this is perfect. Just order it off Amazon, super easy. They'll ship it straight to you. This book is for the seekers, those who are looking for better living. And as the new year starts, it's an awesome time to take on these 21 challenges as we head into those resolutions and trying to add more connection and possibility into our lives. Everyone needs more connection possibility and self-care. So it's the perfect gift. Loveyourstorypodcast.com, the website, just a reminder, that has all the past episodes. You can shop for Love Your Story t-shirts there. And you know, as we talk about doing things intentionally, there are so many of these past episodes well over 150. And each one of them have wonderful interviews and ideas and thoughts that you can copy and paste those links and send them to people. It doesn't cost you anything, but they know that you're thinking about them and you're giving them a link to a you know short audio program that is going to give them ideas on inspiration and empowerment. So I would say use that as just little thoughtful gifts that you can do. Share the links. Have a wonderful holiday, my friends. I will see you the first Wednesday of the new year.